When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm a buxom fine widow, I live in a spot in Dublin, they call it the Kilm. Me shop and me stall are laid out on the street, and me palace consists of one room. At Patrick Street corner for 45 years I've stood there, I'm telling no lie And while I stood there, sure nobody would dare To say black was the white of me eye You may travel from Clare to the county Kildare From Drogheda right back be McCrewham But where would you see a fine widow like me Biddy Mulligan, the pride of the county boys. Biddy Mulligan, Well, Francis Street was a fantastic area. But unfortunately today, it's it's derelict. And it's very, very sad to see it. Well, for the like of me, that was born and reared in it, knowing it as well as I did, and still do, I can see both sides of it. It's very, very sad that it's let go to the state that it's in at the moment. Francis Street is uh, booming. Um, we see uh, a great future for Francis Street, uh, especially for people in the antique business. One time it was a beautiful street when all the tenement houses were there, right? But since they're knocking down the old buildings, it's gone. Francis Street has become the place, especially at the lower end of the market, the place for clearing antiques in Dublin. Uh, there was nothing happening here seven or eight years ago. Absolutely nothing. Uh, business at both ends of the streets was dead. Of course it's dead. There's no one coming into it now. Long ago there's loads of shops in that in it, but there isn't any shops now, only a few down the end of it. All that's in Francis Street now is antique shops. That's all. I, I describe it now as a street that... Uh, is sort of striving back for life, if you like. A street that nearly died, but that uh, has got a new sort of lease of life by different people coming in, the antique shops and different things like that. I sell apples and oranges, nuts and split peas, bananas and sugar stick sweet. Of a Saturday night I sell second-hand clothes And the floor of me stall is the street I sell fish in the Friday laid out on the dish Fresh mackerel and lovely ray I sell lovely herons, such lovely fresh herons That once swam in dear Dublin Bay You may travel from... This is Francis Street, Thomas Street Meat Street, you have three churches. 
and that that pub there that was a very old pub years ago Lambert's used to only serve the the ladies of the what you call the streets in there in Lambert's Charlie Lambert he's dead and gone and then Mary's remember Mary's three shops they had three shops there and the clerks see the clerks they were famous for the pork and McGook they ran the street sort of you know what I mean clerks the pork butchers and he was the beef butcher and Frank Doyle then they're there all the life they're there years since I remember but there's not that many left anyhow they're all tore down pulled down and everything that was the Tivoli cinema that was a picture house they used to queue up and go in Forbes did you know about that? yeah Tivoli Big Harry used to be on the door there used to throw us out and we'd start giving out that's gone back well. About 1947-48. And then Johnny Ray had a big ice cream parlour over here. Big, you could go in and sit down the seats and have your ice cream, you know, big long counter. You know, but the ice cream parlour was there. I think that's about it. And you see what that they do, man. Bits. Well, of course, it was outside the walls of Dublin. The walls were down at Church Street. And uh, this land here would have been worked by monks attached to St. Catherine's Church. Now, St. Catherine's is old Celtic going back before the Vikings because I think Catherine is a third century Egyptian virgin or something like that, uh, a patron of philosophers and all that type of stuff. So, Catherine's Church was there. Now, when King Henry came over, he came after the murder of Thomas Becket, you see, and uh, Henry II and uh, he got out to Normandy and of course he was excommunicated you don't hear that but this is what happened and then he was worried about Strongbow over here so he ran over here and in the heat of the hunt there was a group of French Augustinians canons of St. Victor Pushman's sons in religious order and they wanted land and they ran after him to Ireland so he to do penance for Thomas Beckett, because Thomas takes his name from Thomas Beckett, uh, he gave these canons St. Catherine's Church to build a nabby to the, to the martyr Thomas Beckett. And then, of course, went back and sent his messenger to Rome to say he had got the early bishops to recognise the Pope in Rome. And, of course, the excommunication was lifted. But they remained here, the canons of St. Victor, the first liberty in Dublin, the liberty of Thomas's court in Denor, right up to the suppression by King Henry VIII. And when Henry suppressed the monasteries, the man who did most of the suppression for him was a fellow called William, William Brabison. Now, William Brabison's family became the barons of R.D. and their children became the heirs of Mead. And when I was a kid going around here, it was the heir of Mead's liberty. That's how this area retained the liberty and the far side of the city, the north side, lost its liberty. Because, you see, this was all kept. So that's interesting, the Yard of Mead, because I often say that I'm sure the Yard of Mead still collects a few bob around Francis Lee Mead and apparently he does. The other day the old landlord came by for these rent. I told him no money I had. I said it's not fair for to ask me to pay as times were so awfully bad. He seems discontent at not guessing his rent. 
He shook his big head with the frown. Uh, the landlords wanted their, wanted their rent, but then the rents weren't that high. You see, the rents, 1913 Rent Act uh, restricted landlords from increasing the rent. So before 1913, the rents would have been comparatively high. But after that, the rents weren't that high. But then the accommodation wasn't that great. I mean, you'd have a tenement house and you might have five or six families. So you hadn't to pay that much rent, but the, the, it wasn't that great a place to live in. Because 12 of us lived in two rooms... Twelve children lived in two rooms, right? And there was six in each bed. There was an outdoor toilet and the pipe was in the yard. Never had water inside. A half a crown a week for our two rooms. That was our, our rent. And the landlord was very, very nice. The, the rents were very low and... A lot of houses, uh, because the income wasn't uh, that high, there, there was no repairs done to them. And um, we feel that that, is, that, was, that, was, that was one of the main reasons for the, the, the street being destroyed, because when people left the houses to be rehoused by Dublin Corporation elsewhere, the owners had no money, hadn't got enough money to refurbish them. And we think many of the, 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 the houses in Francis Street that have disappeared could, with, with uh, uh, proper uh, planning and proper grants from the corporation, they could easily have been refurbished. The value of the property, say, 20 years ago was nil. And it wasn't until, at this, the, say, the coom end of Francis Street that you got the antique shops moving in. So they improved the property down this end, whereas up the other end you had the more traditional uh, factory or shops or whatever was in Francis Street and very few people took an interest in them. One by one, the houses in Francis Street were just torn down. And I'm going back easily 20 years ago, maybe more, and all those houses, as they came down, and Francis Street was just left like that. No rebuilding, no nothing to improve it whatsoever. When the streets started to go, or when the liberty started to go, if you like to put it that way, now going back maybe 30, 35 years... Uh, a certain number of people, a very small group, uh, what you could call conservative ideas, got together and said, God, we can't let the house Wolf Town was waked in. We, we can't let the Bear Place in Upper Tandy. Uh, we can't let Matt Talbot's house be knocked down. We can't, we can't allow the destruction of Dublin. And this is what it was called. But this was a very small group of people who had no clout, no pull, no weight. And they were agitating for the liberties, and nobody listened. And then all of a sudden, the shopkeepers, the property owners, the landlords, as you call them, their premises began to be threatened by the bulldozer. And they called a public meeting for Catherine's Hall and Mead Street and Desmond Guinness in the chair and all the politicians, all the TDs of all the different parties were all in attendance and all the shopkeepers and of course the general public as well and out of all this came the Liberties Association but I will say this, between the Liberty Association and the Festival Committee uh, the corporation would have had it ploughed down It's true that Dublin's changing since the pillar was blown down By the winds of violence that are buggering up the town we used to solve a difference with a digging match and a jar. But now they're all playing bang-bang that's going to bleed far. 
around the, thir- the late thirties and forties, the local authorities started to get rid of the tenements. The local authorities started building schemes, Drimna, uh, Crumlin, and then afterwards Ballyfermot, and. Then the change, that's where the change began. In the past, we knew each other. We knew uh, the parents, we knew the grandparents. And while the spirit is still good, and we in the association get on extremely well with newcomers to the locality, uh, we feel that uh, it's not quite the same as it was. Well, everyone, we all know every, everyone knew everybody, you know. And if there was a funeral, like everyone was after it. You know what I mean? Like, we still know everyone around here. Well, I tell you now, none of us would live out. So you could leave your door open and all years ago. And they'd lend half crowns and there was, you get it back the weekend. Now that's before, me, that's my mother's time. Yeah, that's my mother's time. And uh, the drum, you know, there still is that. That spirit's still here. That never died. Sure it didn't, Mary? Never. Not at all. No. Never. They'd like you to let you think it's gone. And they'd like to let you think that nobody cares, but there's loads of people cares. That's what it's all about, I think. Caden and Shane, Mary, isn't it? Caden and Shane. All right, that's it. Life would have been rough, but what would have been a great community would have been if there was a death in the street, it would have been a death in every house. Or if there was a bit of a joy in in a house, it would have been a joy in every other house. Or if there was a wedding, in the parish, every neighbour would be down at the church gate to see the girl going out. And of course, if it was a funeral, well, then everyone would be there to carry the coffin. And the, the tradition of carrying the coffin, which is still around here, you'll still see it being done. The idea of carrying the coffin is a twofold one of respect, and the other to save the family the expense of bringing out the hearse in the morning courts the night before the funeral. So it's a lovely tradition. All travellers are buried out of France Street. Do you know that? No other chapel, only France Street. And the minute the mass is over, all the publicans shut their shops till they're gone, till they disperse. You don't save them, no. Well, in the modern day now, today, it's all big vans and it's all... But years ago, it was different. They'd come up with their horses and cars and they'd be all on the backs of them and everything, wouldn't they? And they'd be all in the chore. Oh, it'd be packed. Most respectful, loads of flowers, everything beautiful. Everything done in the most highest of respect. But it's a great chapel. It's a place, I tell you now the kind of a chapel, you can go in and you could sit down. Yeah. And you could relax whether there's mass or not. Yeah, it's not. I went to Rome years ago. Now, St. Nicholas of Myra is modelled on, I think it's St. Peter's in Rome. They say... The altar the is the eye, yeah. The eye over the altar in St. Nicholas of Myra, the second one is mm. in Rome. Mm. That was originally the Bishop's Chapel. That was the Archdiocese of Dublin. And the Archdiocese of Dublin went as far as the Isle of Man from Viking times. So the people of the Isle of Man, to lawfully make their Easter duties, should come to St. Nicholas of Ireland Francis Street. That's why in one of the ceilings you have the three legs. We have in our books records of baptisms in the Isle of Man. And they they've all sorts of stories about uh, a priest leaving here to do a sick call on the Isle of Man. So there mustn't have been many Catholics living in the Isle of Man at the time. But in any case, at that time, it was uh, part of the Irish Church and part, therefore, really of Francis Street Parish. But I think a nicer distinction than that 
is Frank Duff's Legion of Mary, which was founded next door here in Myra House and has spread right across the whole wide world, the Legion of Mary. And I think that five women and Frank Duff sitting in a room here in Francis Street in 1921, starting a little organisation for self-sanctification of their own souls and the thing then spreads not only in Dublin and Ireland and England and Wales but right across the continent Adele Quinn and African all across the whole world the Legion of Mary they used to say he switched out the red light in Monto uh, you know he got all that closed up in the 20s uh, when nobody would give a street girl a cup of tea or a bit of bread Frank Duff was there to give us. Well, if you've got a wing, oh, take her up to ring, oh, where the waxy sing, oh, all that day. If you've had your fill of porter and you can't go any further, give your man the other. Thank you, Decay. <laughs> no, I tell you, there's um, the man that had this premises before us. If you go outside the, just outside the door there, there's a telegraph pole. And if you look at the top, but it's all burned. But one of the nice ladies of the street used to live. That used to be an old tenement house there. She used to live there. And he was trying to get her out. So he set the place on fire. <laughs> In the Francis Street Parish in the 30s you had probably about 27,000 people and um, this went down to less than 10,000 but in the last seven years the population of the Francis Street Parish has uh, improved because of the new housing schemes by Dublin Corporation but uh, over we'd say the last seven years a new type of shop has developed in uh, Francis Street and it's an antique shop and started off with one and now almost the entire street is filled with these antique shops. We don't think it's a bad idea. While we would like uh, provision shops and the type of shop you had in, the, in, in, the, in, the, in Francis Street in the past, quite obviously over all over Dublin the small shopkeeper has mm. gone out of business so we have to move with the times. We feel now that some of the stuff that may have been made in the Liberties in the past is now being sold in these um, in these antique shops, and we think that is good. Francis Street, I think, is in uh, transition at the moment. I think it's it's the down is coming up, but I think the local people can't see it coming up because they still relate back to the the time when Francis Street you could you could be born here and buried in Francis because it had everything it doesn't have that anymore it has the slick uh, antique shops and then what the, the locals would see is the old sweet shops and the, the small hookster shops they're all gone so that, that it's hard for the locals to comprehend the fact that, that it's 
a boom area. They don't see it in terms of that. They, they see it in terms of the places on the decline and they've seen houses being knocked down and they see strange, as they call it, rubbish, junk furniture in the windows and people spending a lot of money and they just can't comprehend that at all. The outsiders coming in see great potential in the area and great, whereas the locals feel, you know, you have to get out and get to where the posh people are living. They can't see the potential of their own part of the city, which is tremendous. It's nine years now since I moved into this street and at the time I think there was only three, of, three other antique shops here. Um, but gradually, with a, a policy uh, amongst the dealers who were here, to encourage other dealers to move into the street as places became vacant, uh, has worked. It's no longer a dead street. Um, it's thriving, and um, uh, people may notice that the antique shops are creeping further and further up the street. And I'd say within the next ten years, the entire street will be antique shops. Um, a lot of people will say that's elitist and it doesn't affect the, the, um, the average uh, man in the street in the area, but they're not all top-priced shops. Uh, I mean, you can look at the contents of my shop here. Most of the pieces you'll find are very cheap. In the last two years, uh, we've had one of, about four or five more new shops opened up in Francis Street, and these are shops where previous uh, uh, to this there was nothing happening. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think the life, lifeblood is coming much back into the street in a big way. Good afternoon. How are you? Very cold out, isn't it? Now, um, I think there's something over there that will be of interest to you. It's a rather rare and intriguing little piece it's a small miniature ewer and basin, um, highly decorative, uh, very fine china, Minton, an English factory, and th these pieces are probably about 1860 to 1870 in date. Yes, that uh, Victorian bamboo gong, um, which is probably about 1880 in date, uh, made from bamboo with its original um, hammer, which has got snake skin um, on, the, on the, the head. Um, there are sort of two modes of thinking in the antiques world. One is the, the cluttered, um, intriguing dreamland of an antique shop, and the other is the, the more laid-out uh, antique shop. It's purely two different ends of the market. One is a finished product shop and the other is uh, very much buying the items in the raw, uh, whether they need to be stitched or repaired or um, have some cabinet making done to them. <laughs> For a lot of people this is as far as they get the doorway. They take one look in here and say, God, there's not enough room here to move around and they go away. We never see them again. Uh, it really depends on what you're looking for, um, how you expect an antique shop to look. Uh, there are antique shops that um, have everything laid out with spotlights on each piece and that, and uh, if that's your cup of tea, there's plenty of shops like that around this area. This shop reflects my mind, all a jumble. Um, there's pieces and bits everywhere. <laughs> um, start at the beginning. I moved in here about uh, nine years ago. Um, I had approximately 550 pounds and I spent 500 pounds on the lease <laughs> and the 50 pounds was junk. <laughs> I had a shop full of junk at that stage but it sold and we got more junk, better quality junk and that sold 
there's an old saying in the antique business when you're going out to buy you're buying junk but when you're selling you're selling antiques so um, 50 pounds worth of rubbish I had here but the rubbish sold and I bought better quality rubbish and that sold and so forth but there are some pieces here going back from the day I first moved in here some pieces I haven't seen myself for years uh, that teddy bear there is around 1920s in what they call well loved condition um, it's rather beraggled but um, I'll be draggled if that's the word. But somebody somewhere wants them, and he'll sit there until that right person comes along. Um, I've all sorts in here, from rolls of old wallpaper to uh, 17th century paintings and stuffed animals and birds and uh, Art Nouveau figure lamps and old clocks and fenders and parts of this and bits of that. Um, for me, antiques are not hundred years old or not uh, uh, pre-1870 or anything like that. I don't think there can be any fixed rules and regulations anymore as to what an antique is. Before the war, anything that was made after 1830 well, wasn't classed as an antique. That was up to 1940. Had to be made before that, before it was as a genuine antique. Now that lasted Victorian pieces and, as antiques, because antiques have got scarce. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of fellas coming come into the street recently and open antique shops. There's a couple of them who know about antiques, but the rest of them don't know anything at all. And they're not keeping good last uh, pieces. Because in time, oh, they learn, I suppose. It's a long enough us. But it's a lifetime study. Antique furniture. You? You've got to know all your periods, dates. You've got to be able to find is an antique a fake or is it a genuine? There's about two of them that's a reasonably good uh, stock of antiques. The rest of them are only mostly dealing in uh, deal furniture, kitchen furniture, and kitchen dressers and things like that. There's only, there's only one or two of them know anything about antiques. Now, this is an old four-poster bed here. This is made out of mahogany now that's become extinct. Domingo. It's in the Nelson design, and a canopy on top, uh, six, six feet wide. And seven foot long. Seven feet long. And uh, acorns on the top of it. Beautiful uh, pillars in Nelson, Nelson twist. See, Nelson twist and uh, beautiful panels with a Nelson moulding on them and a beautiful type of mahogany. Sank simply in bits when it came here. We made it all up here. I got great satisfaction. Uh, standing out and looking at the job finished, especially if you make a reproduction job from scratch, just from the bare board. You get a great, uh, great, great, great feeling of satisfaction from it. Because there's so much to know about this trade. You're learning all the time. Even when you're 40 or 50 years, you're still learning. You're still seeing things that we never saw before, an old job that you repair. You know, the way that works in the 18th century. The old Dublin restaurant I divides probably Francis Street into two parts. If you, the north side, which is very near the, the Thomas Street end, seems to be dead. It seems to have no 
nothing happening there. The shop seems to be closing down. Whereas you come down Francis Street on towards the Coombe, it seems to suddenly come alive. You come to the old Dublin, then you have all on the other side and this side, all the antique shops where there's a buzz. Um, if, you, if, if you walk along Francis Street, just start at the top end and come down, you'll see old front shops and you knock at the door and you suddenly look inside and there's uh, five or six people making new furniture here. You go to the next place and there's a guy polishing brass. There's some other one selling books or antiques or... Uh, it's, it's amazing how, how the... It still looks a little bit dirty, but uh, again, it is improving and, and, and the employment is coming there in, in this kind of related uh, antique business. I think in a few years' time, Francis Street will probably be the place for, for, to, to repair your antiques and to buy them and to bring stuff in to sell them. This chap here now is repairing a lamp. He's using a torch and he's brazing up and he's repairing a lamp. And that's the sound of the torch being used. We do mainly, we don't do any manufactured work at all. We mainly stick to repairs of old Victorian stuff. This, this is our polishing shop. Our lads do our metal polishing. This will be the sound of their machine working. They use it here, they polish, they put the brass to the mop here like this and they will bring up a high shine on it. When we get it in, it's black as the ace of spades, which is black as this particular figure now I'm showing you. And then when he puts it to the mop, as you can see the brass starting to come right through, where we take the, all the dirt and the bronzing and everything else off it and bring it up down to its original state. Upholstery, pine stripping, French polishing, uh, marble work, brass polishing, brass repairs, and general upholstery work done in the street. All known people in the street that give that service at the present time. There's anything up to, I suppose, around about nine or ten, all interlinked with the antique business at the moment. Oh, it's a great street, it's the best street in Ireland, so it is, particularly with the characters that you would hear outside of your window looking at your stuff. Oh, my mother threw them out years ago, and all this sort of carry-on you get, because naturally, when they speak out in the street, you can hear everything dead clear here in the shop. And, of course, they go along with this exclamation of the stuff they see in the windows that has been thrown out years ago, which is quite right. Ah, poor old Dicey Riley, she has taken to this up. Poor old Dicey Riley, she will never give it up. It's off each morning to the pop, then she goes in for another little drop. But the heart in the roll is Dicey Riley. It's funny, like the old people see it in terms of the toffs coming over to visit their part of the city and they'd say to you, how are they getting on in the old cafe inside? And it's just amazing for, for them to see the Mercedes pulling up and uh, these fellas would say, we're paying for them anyway, you know, these uh, diplomats or whatever coming in here to eat. So that's how they would see it. Oh, well, the old Francis Street's dead and gone. That's the new Francis Street's coming up now. Do you have... Sugar Daddy's, what is it, restaurant down there? <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the old Dublin, oh, is the it? The old Dublin, yeah. No, but there it is, it's booking up now with all these antique shops. No, shop. we're, we've only rags compared Jeez, to we've them. We've only rags compared to them. <laughs> <laughs> They're hundreds of pounds, would Yeah. They've be all the best. You'd be a millionaire if you had an antique shop. Well, I suppose it depends on what you'd have, you know. 
Well, you won't get a poor person going into them. Who, what poor person will go into an antique shop and give £200 for a small article? I had, Mary, I had a show on the Olympia. Sarah, listen to this, this is good. Last November for Lourdes. And it was a dress-up, it was 1920. And that right, Sarah, yes, yes, we all got yes. frocks here for a pound. Yes. One of my sons or one of them said, no, my brother, you see in this waistcoat effort in a shop down in France Street, the auntie, she thought it'd be grand for the night out, I could earn my price, and worth £70. Mm, pound. He nearly good. collapsed. <laughs> And now, uh, no rubbish. You wouldn't get pound for it up here. Yeah, Seventy pound. So I don't know where to get that braces from. Well, the antiques are for anyone that likes them. Yeah, I wouldn't have an has antique in my place. I hate them. She's that horrible looking things, Mary. Yeah. We threw them out years ago. Years ago. Threw them out. Threw them out. Threw them out. Glass cases and everything. The only antique I have at home is my husband. And if he hears me saying that, he'll take me life. And he will. <laughs> uh, the market was built by Lord Ivy. Now, it was built for one reason and one reason only, and that was to get the dealers away from Patrick's Cathedral. And people tell you this, he wanted to put a roof over their head, and he wanted to do this, and he wanted to do that. He did it in his eye. He wanted them away from Patrick's Cathedral, and the best way to get them away so that the swanks wouldn't see them going in their carriages to Patrick's Cathedral was to build the Ivy Market there and put them all into it. And Lord Ivy... In 1905, took the dealers off the stones in Patrick Street and put them all in here, off the streets, because they were worried about them in Patrick Street at that time. That right? That's so right. Well, my not. mother Well, my mother told us. Yeah. Lord Ivy gave the market, the market to the people here. Yeah, for nothing. Gave us all. That's how they can do nothing with us. Mm. Oh, it's a building. It's a magnificent building. Uh, it did, the roof did go to a bit of rack and ruin there. It started to leak and stuff like that, and it wasn't attended to. But if you were to paint up, it needs a bit of paint, it needs a bit of renovation. But the Ivy Market uh, is, is possibly one of the finest buildings. I mean, you're going to look at the outside, uh, all the architecture with all the different heads of all the different countries. They're supposed to be all the nations we traded with. <coughs> Excuse me, there's even uh, a buffalo, uh, an Indian there, so we must have bought buffaloes at some stage. But a red skin. And you know what you have to do? Come on, they're on here. See them? I thought he was lying on a man, see his face. Now do you see, they'd look and they wouldn't bother. And I think there's more around the front, but he's a funny one. No, I don't know what he's like. He's winking, anyhow, isn't he? <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. Wait, I say there's any more. Wait, now hold on. Isn't it a great taste? And I have um, we do we do great things in there, you know. We do good things in the market, you know. We run our own things, you know, and we help people, you know. It's a pity they let us go so bad. There's all the faces now, look. I don't know who they are. Some of them are like Indians. <laughs> look. But they're good. Now, wouldn't that be worth spending a few shillings on? Wouldn't it, huh? What's anything else? Can I get out of the bag and see? Come on, You know, they took the road. They go from house to house buying clothes. And they all had their own lovely big houses out in Ballsbridge, Mount Merion. There was Mary, there was Nelly, there was Ellen. There was a crowd of women. Well, they used to auction the clothes there. They used to auction the clothes years ago. You'd start at a pound and go down to four shillings. Start and go down back down to four shillings. Well, now, of course, it's pences. But the people come in here, they want, they want the stuff for little or nothing. Any of the food that comes in, don't they? 
But if they cleaned it up, it'll be better. The best building in Dublin, I think, isn't it? It's the best market in Dublin. But it's not, it's not properly looked after. What has happened is that uh, the, the 60s and 70s people had more money and fashions have changed repeatedly. I mean, the fashion is different every year. And the clothes that you have in the IV market, the only people... Uh, who really want them now are very poor people or people who are trendies who come up and looking for their grandfather's shirt a thing like that and the ivy market it's a, it's it, to me it's unfortunate the way it is it's a magnificent building and i believe that some sort of an effort should be made by the corporation in conjunction with the people who have the stalls in it to redevelop it and i think that's one of the projects we're going to work on in the, in, in, in the near future. What we want done here, we want that balcony full. We want that balcony full of people. You said it's not safe to crack down if that goes up on it. <laughs> it won't right, crack no, down. There's that. loads go. There was loads of old furniture up on that and it never cracked down. Years ago, Jack Arkin had a whole gallery. Do you remember yeah. that for years? Loads of years. furniture and it never cracked down. So We'd I don't like know. to see the iron market coming back. I believe the ivory market will be something, as I say, like the Paris Court, with all these antique stalls, eventually. God only knows how long it will take, like the houses that were pulled down and left down. But eventually, someday, we hope to see it in full swing again. You know, it's still the same to us, yeah. isn't it, Mary? We'd love to see more people, is. but we still love it. We've got more people in here. We'd have a great arm balcony. Yeah, the great arm Because the, 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 con- the contact is there, there's human contact. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Yes, it's very hard to become accepted. One is always a blow-in uh, in, in, in an area like this. But, um, no, we get on extremely well with our, with our uh, neighbours, um, the people who live in the street and the people who have other businesses in the street. Um, all sorts of businesses can thrive here. It has, has become known as, a, as an antique street, but there are others. The, the pubs in the street now are doing well because of the antique businesses. Uh, the old Dublin restaurant up here has a thriving uh, lunchtime trade and evening trade. Um, they wouldn't set themselves up in a back street. Uh, they, the reason they are here and, and thriving is because there is bustle and hustle in the street. I think the life, uh, lifeblood is coming much back into the street in a big way. They may have antique shops and they may have different types of people in the markets and all that. That's fine. But I think you need the, the feeling of people in the area as well living in the area and coming and going and that. I know you can never recapture years ago. It's very, very hard to do that. In the Liberties, you always had blow-ins. The Liberties was made up of... uh, There were a lot of shops in it, a lot of trades, and the people who, who owned the shops didn't necessarily first of all come from the livers, they had to come from outside. So I don't mind the blow-ins provided that the, 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 the street as a whole benefits, and I think it will. It's just, it's hard of the liberties, isn't it? And the people around Francis Street are very, well, any of the little old houses over there even, they're all very much old Dublin. Nice people, no airs and graces on them, no edges. No nonsense attached to them. If they can do a good turn, they will. No Francis Street. I always did and I always will. All right, Sarah, mm. would I go anywhere else? No. Ten years ago, twelve years ago, I was after shopping Meath Street for nothing. A man said, I'll buy it, will you walk it? I said, no. And he often said, you must have been mad. I was never mad. I wouldn't leave. Would I leave here, no. Mary? I got plenty of opportunities. I'd never leave here. I lost her to a student whose skin was black as coal And he took her out to bear me home He took away my soul 
Come on now, Maggie. Bring your ear rosy As the light that climbs, I remember Dublin City in the railroad times. Bring a rain rosy. As the light that lies, I remember Dublin City in the railroad times. Great help on that one, didn't you? <laughs> you slag, yeah.